Good morning. Welcome to the D-O-L-W-3 podcast. That stands for the Diocese of Lansing Watchers 3. And we are a community of people who have gotten together to help be a voice for the voiceless. In some of the other podcasts, we have been discussing Randy Ingalls' book, The Rite of Sodomy, Homosexuality in the Priesthood of the Roman Catholic Church. Randy Ingalls is present to us through her writings. We, we want to talk about these things because, for one, we do believe they're still happening, and because of other things that happen in the church, the financial uh, corruption um, and voices that are silenced because they do speak up. I'm going to read from my book today, not that I'm trying to promote my book, but just taken aside to show you how we believe that these things are still going on and how voices are being silenced. My book is called The Clericalism in the Catholic Church, a mother's perspective. Pope Francis, in a homily on April 18, 2019, during a chrism mass, said clericalism begins with roots planted in a desire to place personal comfort ahead of service. He refers to the scripture where the disciples wanted to turn away the crowds so they could get something to eat. Pope Francis further says, here, I believe, was the beginning of clericalism. In this desire to be assured personal comfort without any concern for the people, the Lord cut short that temptation. You give them something to eat, was the response Jesus gave. Take care of the people. Kathleen Hattrop reported Pope Francis points out that clericalism can be a sin for both the clergy and laity. For clergy, if they demand to be treated superior to the laity and the laity and for the laity, if they resign themselves to the status quo. Let me read that again. Catholic Hattrop reported Pope Francis points out that clericalism can be a sin for both the clergy and laity. For clergy, if they demand to be treated superior to the laity, and for the laity, if they resign themselves to the status quo. Let Father do everything and shirk the responsibilities proper to their own vocation as baptized Christians. I want to stop here for a minute. Um, You know, so many of us laity do not realize that we have a responsibility to to the Father, to the Father's will. And we hear, um, we're the leaven, we're the leaven of the church. And when we see something wrong, we can't be silenced or we become part part of the problem. Okay, I'm going to go on. Now, in the spirit of the baptized Christian, a lay Catholic, a mother with eyes wide open, that is, to to what clericalism looks like, as in a bishop who seeks comfort over truth, I now change direction and refer you to the story of the frog in the bottom of the Coke bottle. Did you know there is always a frog in the bottom of the Coke bottle? There is a legal case studied by lawyers where a person drinks a Coke 
and when finished discovers a dead frog at the bottom of the bottle. The Coke drinker gets sick and makes a trip to the hospital. The person decides to sue the Coca-Cola company. The Coke company then wants to know what kind of frog it was. They also had several other questions about the dead frog. The Coke people examined the frog in the bottle. They weren't satisfied with what they saw in the bottle. Subsequently, they wanted to perform a more thorough analysis of the frog in their own laboratories. While in their hands, eventually over time, the frog disappeared, probably from decay. The company, after having the frog for so long, denied there was ever a frog. Today in law, we say the Coke company wasn't bargaining in good faith. Now comes a true story of good faith with outcomes that are life-changing. A young priest, 30 years old, one we may presume held a deep trust in the Catholic teaching. He told, he told the truth because of righteous thinking in good conscience and trust in his superiors. The Bible has much to say about truth. Most importantly, the Bible teaches us God is truth. And i take a uh, digress here for a minute. But um, we're talking about in the Gaylord Diocese. Now, this, is what, this all came about and was going on when we were still waiting on the McCarrick Report. So as lay people, you know, we have to wonder, you know, how truthful are the uh, bishops, the hierarchy, really being, and are they really wanting to get at the root cause of what's going on with uh, sexual predators in the priesthood? Okay, I'm going to go on here. What happens to a young priest, barely out of a seminary, when he speaks truth to chaos? What happens when a priest speaks out against homosexual grooming in the infrastructure? More importantly, what is happening? Is the hierarchy listening when the priest says it is wrong to touch and fondle him? But even more so, it is evil to place a homosexual priest with young boys. Can there be something worse? Keep in mind as you read the following, all the sins committed in this injustice. The young priest was assigned to be tutored by the vicar of the parish in the Diocese of the Gaylord, Michigan. On car rides with the vicar, he was patted on the thigh. The vicar would hug him, and after confession in the back of the church, the vicar would slap him on the rear. The young priest eventually confronts the vicar. He told him no more touching or there would be consequences. The vicar said he didn't recall any inappropriate behaviors. Note, these behaviors are known as homosexual grooming behavior. The vicar did not stop his calculated behavior. The priest then reports the incidents to the proper chain of command, that is the bishop. In good faith and in truth, the priest reports the incident. He reported it because he was concerned for the youth that the vicar was working with. The young priest trusted and had faith with those in authority. However, the bishop removes the young priest from ministry rather than the vicar and known predator. I'm going to digress here. We see this often in the uh, bishops removing um, priests. Um, they, can be, they can be outcasted. They get a demeaning job. Um, if they break the silence. In the priesthood, you know, it's kind of a brotherhood, one for all and all for one. 
And it seems to me that the one thing that is lacking is is that we we are to obedi be obedient to our authorities, um, the priest and the bishop. However, when they go from the Father's will, what the Father expects, that is when we have to speak up, and that is when the brotherhood should end. We are children of the Father, and we are here to do the Father's will. Okay, I'm going to go on. How does the hierarchy in the church of today end up removing a young priest for telling the truth? What is going on? Is there due process in the church that allows this to happen again and again? What is this system of lies and silence in the ranks? How are homosexual activities so ingrained in the hierarchy there is a network of clergy who willfully silence the truth? Is there really a shortage of priests? Is there a shortage of good men? Is the current system set up by the hierarchy to outcast the truth-tellers? Will this young priest ever be able to become a bishop? Chances are good the answer is no. Why? The bishop is seeking power over truth. He likes his comfort. What is the bishop rooted in? Remember the frog in the bottom of the bottle? Is the bishop saying to the young priest, I don't see the frog, therefore the frog isn't really there. Yes, the young priest documented all of the allegations. Yes, the young priest eventually is reinstated. Yet, he, although innocent, is moved from Michigan to the diocese in Kansas. Now I want you to know, I'm digressing again, um, that <clears throat> There was, a, there was a Rocher group that formed because of this incident here. And this is what, I'm, what we are advocating for, for Catholics around the world, to start your Watcher groups, do your podcast, voice these things, and expose the evil, the rot in the church, that we want a more robust church. Jesus did not die for these kinds of things to be happening in his church. Will they happen? Yes. But it is up to us to stand up for truth and to do the Father's will. Okay, should he trust those involved with this new assignment? Is he going to be safe? Who, are, who can he trust? If he makes a mistake, how will it be handled? Will he suffer further maltreatment? Does the current church hierarchy really want truth? Why do bishops wink at homosexual behavior and remove a young priest so alive for the truth in his faith. So I digress here. I think of that as a mother. I think of that as a sister. Um, why, what happened to this young man and to his conscience and, um, you know, how it had to shaken his family, him. <clears throat> and um, we pray for him that he can always be an advocate for the truth and to do the Father's will. What has, re what has really happened to our young priest? What has it done to his faith? We may never really know. Remember, I said I am a mother and a faithful Catholic. The mother in me would like to ask the bishop, what have you done? What, why, why most reverend bishop, if this young priest were my son, why would you do such a thing to my son? 
isn't telling the truth and sacrificing one's life for the sake of, sa of saving a soul at the very core of a bishop's work. St. Oscar Romero, Archbishop of El Salvador, tells us the shepherd does not want security while they give no security to his flock. And furthermore, most trusted good shepherd, I have a few more questions. How did you determine my son's complaints were ser weren't serious enough to warrant the removal of the vicar? I'd like to say that again because I feel so strongly about that. How did you determine my son's complaints were not serious enough to warrant the removal of the vicar? Instead of removing the vicar for those allegations, you removed the priest, my beloved son. What standards were used to remove him from the ministry? God has good standards. I'm going to say that again. God has good standards. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. The Lord wants us to hate evil and not rename it. I'm going to say that again. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That comes from Isaiah 5.20. The Lord wants us to hate evil and not rename it. <clears throat> In questioning the frog, I found... <clears throat> In the bottom of the Coke bottle, I asked these following questions. What is acceptable touching of a 30-year-old man? In putting a hand on a man's thigh, at what point do you determine it is inappropriate? Is the outside of his thigh acceptable? And what about the inside of his thigh? Is that acceptable? How high up his thigh is acceptable? What if the hand touches his privacy? Is that acceptable? After confession in the back of the church, is, is a slap on the buttocks required now? How hard of a slap on the buttocks is allowed? Is a tap or a soft wipe acceptable? Are all men getting the slap on the buttocks these days? And at what age does practice start? Is this a new practice? Is this practice found in the catechism of the Catholic Church? Is it reserved for some priest or all priests? And what is the purpose of slapping the buttocks? As a lay Catholic, I have deep concerns of the treatment of this priest. My church in Michigan has not prayed for him, at least not publicly. It seems to me he should receive public prayer as he faces many unknowns. He needs open prayer, support as he goes forward. Also his family, after this, should be receiving public prayer, support as well. The priest and his family should continue to receive church community support for as long as they need it. Is there an act of good is there an act of a good shepherd laying down his life for the priest and his family? Now comes the bishop who is reassigned. The bishop, now this is the bishop who um, took the uh, priest's job away and uh, you know basically shunned him. <clears throat> Let's talk about what happens to the bishop after the priest comes back to work. Now comes the bishop, who is also reassigned. The bishop was privy to public announcement of his reassignment in the June issue of the Lansing Diocese Faith Magazine. Now you realize what I'm saying. The priest, the young priest, nothing was said. But here we go with this uh, reassignment in the June, for this is, this is what's happening to this bishop. 
he will have a mass of installation and be publicly welcomed. He gets a mass said, and not only a mass, but is publicly welcomed to his new job. There wasn't any mention of the young priest and his reassignment in this magazine. And further, there wasn't a request for public prayer and masses said for him as well as his family as they heal from this horrific ordeal. It is my understanding that your church teaches all are equal in dignity. I, presu I would presume that that includes equal in the request for prayer, especially requested prayer by those in authority in the church. It seems that the Brotherhood of Fellow Priests, at the very least, would mention the need for prayer for him. Instead, there is silence and quiet moves. Soon, all will forget the incident as if it never happened. What about the person who drank the Coke and discovered the dead frog and became ill? Was there ever really a frog in the bottom of the bottle? Should the priest have reported the incidents of rubbing thighs during a car ride and slaps on the buttocks after confession? Should other priests ask for prayer for a brother priest? Is it considered risky for the brotherhood of priests to ask for prayer? It seems silence is approved prayers. Excuse me. It seems silence is approved prayer and prayer is not. Maybe openly asking for prayer for a naughty priest who speaks up against evil may may get you in trouble with the bishop. Maybe that is why scandals continue to flourish in the church. There is a time and a place for silence and obedience, and that time is not in the face of evil. One must lay down one's life and pick up the cross. As a mother and concerned lay Catholic and part of the Michigan Laity Watcher Group, we are suggesting a care plan for this priest refer to the following proposal. I'd like to add here, though, now we are called the Diocese of Lansing Watchers. Proposed care plan for the young priest Michigan Laity Watcher community is looking for, ca for a case manager to provide ongoing living assessment and public ecclesial benefit analysis for the young priest in the Kansas area. Ruling in or ruling out necessity for continued watching for any special needs that may arise due to the past threats to this priestly vocation. Our meditation. We ask our friends to pray and discern whether or not we should ask our bishops to support, nurture, and to encourage the following proposal, or should we remain silent, indifferent, and aloof of any future risk of loss facing the clergy and the young priest, in particular, through any limits or constraints or encumbrances upon the priestly vocation as has occurred in the past in the Gaylord diocese and in the province here in Michigan. The proposal. The watcher community here in Michigan reports lay ecclesi ecclesial authorities are considering conducting comprehensive investigations into certain individuals with ties to the extremist individuals supporting Mr. McCarrick, Theodore Edgar McCarrick, a laicized American, former cardinal and bishop of the Catholic Church, and whether or not those individuals with close ties to McCarrick pose any threat, that is, in any clear danger to clergy close to the young priest in the circumstance of the division that now exists in the church, with one side supporting the bishop 
and McCarrick and one side supporting the young priest of the ecclesial world. Conclusion A group in the Gaylord Diocese formed, a, formed to fight for the young priest, it is clear the laity are being called out of the pews. The present handling of evil in the hierarchy cannot be trusted. God is moving the hearts of the laity. The young priest should have never been removed. The vicar, on the other hand, should have been removed from his duties until the investigation was completed, especially during these times of great scandal in the church. And I'd like to digress here. How do we build trust? How does the lady begin to trust again? This is why we have formed this group, the voices, the unheard voices. We want to be a voice for that for church corruption. A group should not have to, oops, I just read that, but I'm going to read it again. A group should not have had to be formed for the clergy to see the sins being committed. The corruption runs deep in the walls of the church hierarchy. False leaders are holding up false teachings. Too many young seminarians are subject to undue questioning of their conscience. I'm going to say that again. Too many young seminarians are subject to undue questioning of their conscience. They, in order to keep their place in the brotherhood, are having to turn a blind eye to the corruption. They are being taught by examples such as what occurred in Gaylord, Michigan, to be quiet or else. The same examples of silence experienced in Pennsylvania, New York, and etc. Silence is killing the conscience of good men and women and children in God's church. Observation. At the time of this writing, we concerned laity of the Holy Catholic Church continue to wait for the current status of the Vatican's long-anticipated report on the formal Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. McCarrick abused a 16-year-old boy in the 70s. A lay review board found the accusations to be credible. Furthermore, other claims of minor victims, seminarians, and priests alleged sexual abuse and sexual harassment by McCarrick. The report was supposed to be made public June 20th, 2020. Well, now that that, now that report has come out, it was during um, November, during this time of the pandemic. I don't know how many people observed it because the pandemic was taking such precedence. <clears throat> I digressed there. It's taken the Vatican much time to process this report, and yet an innocent young priest can be removed from his ministry in a matter of minutes for telling the truth. That has got to stop. Again, I digress. We have got to have our young seminarians not being silenced, not being obedient to evil, not be afraid of losing their job, all the money they spent in their school, their parents spent in the school. The truth should be first and foremost, and they should be supported by the Brotherhood for speaking truth. It has been two years. We are still waiting for a report. Two long years, and why? How are we to trust the administration in these matters of mortal sin? And that brings me to why I wrote this book, is because all this was going on with McCarrick and the scandal, and here, right in my right in a diocese near us, the Gaylord Diocese, all this is going on, and we are all following it. Um, I just I, I couldn't believe it, and so it led me to believe, and others to believe, and this is why we're calling laity to action. Is um, it's not done, 
if you think it's going away and your papa priests and your hierarchy, they just want it silenced. They don't want to have to deal with it. Well, it needs to be dealt with. St. Michael the Archangel, we pray that prayer always. Well, we have to open our mouths. Um, we have a request, or I have a request. Please keep in prayer the souls and good consciences that are being shaken, challenged, and worse lost by the abuse and the silence. I wrote a coda. This is to my sister. Marcia, my sister, struggled in life with the dragons of chaos, and she taught me much. Without her in my life, this book would not exist. Thank you, sis. I want to end with a prayer here. Um, I am uh, a, I, what, what I would call a Carmelite wannabe. Uh, I am studying now um, the different things that are required for a Carmelite, but um, I practice them, and um, I have a deep devotion to Mary, to the Rosary. So I'm going to pray the Hail Mary with you all, and um, and ask for your prayers and and your voices. If you have something to tell, please. Don't be afraid. Start a podcast. Okay. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Jesus, we put our trust in you. Goodbye, and uh, thank you for listening. I also have a dedication for this book. It is dedicated, this book is dedicated to the parents of Father Cohen and all the parents who struggle in silence with these same issues in the Catholic Church.